We will continue the 11th letter of the Geres HaKodesh, of the Holy Letters of the Balatanya. We started to learn Laskil Chabina. So we started to learn yesterday, the other day, the beginning of Laskil Chabina, which after all the introductions that we had, begin to understand the enlightenment of understanding the enlightenment of understanding that the Alter Rebbe is going to give us with this parak. And as we said, the beginning of enlightenment, the beginning of enlightenment is to have clarity in your mind, to have clear vision, to be able to see something clearly with your mind. And once you have clarity into your purpose, into your mission in this world, then that's the beginning of enlightenment. And on some level, this, three, this is a three-part series. In this parak, if you look very carefully, in Laskil Chabina, there was three parts to this letter. There's the first two words, which is to lighten with understanding which as we explained extensively, is the beginning of enlightenment. The beginning of enlightenment is to realize that either you're asleep, meaning either your mind is shut off, either your vision, your comprehension, your clarity is shut off, which means when you wake up, you're still sleepwalking, and then you live most of your life like that, or you have the purpose of your life, you have the mission of your life in front of you. You have vision in front of you. You have the Torah. You know, you know what the purpose of your life is. So that's Laskil Chabina. Meaning in essence, the Nekudas HaChachma, the, the main point of this letter is that the deepest, most profoundest sense of enlightenment that I'm going to give you is to understand that all of enlightenment, becoming a tzaddik, becoming enlightened person, being a person that's able to Eliminate suffering from his life. Eliminate pain. Eliminate enslavement, addictions. Eliminate attachment. Eliminate sorrow is by the recognition to have clarity in your mind. If you have clarity in your mind, if you are focused, if you are attentive, if you are wakeful, if you, have, if you are enlightened in your mind, if you have clarity of purpose when you wake up in the morning, then your day is a day without any attachment. Your day is a day of full of wakefulness, a meaningful day, a purposeful day. Now the Alter Rebbe is going to explain, enlightened with understanding is not enough. Just to tell, for me to tell you that you have to understand the concept is not enough. He's going to afterwards start three lines, which he's going to lay down the foundation of this pedic. And then afterwards... He's going to go very deep into it where a person can make it real in his own life. And that's the journey that we're going to go on together. And now he starts out and he says, Laskil Chabina, to enlighten you with understanding. And as we said, that the person wrote to him that he had some horrifying circumstances, some, some tremendous pain that he went through. And this pain 
caused this person to write to the Alter Rebbe that he's suffering. And he was complaining to the Alter Rebbe about how terrible his circumstances is. And the Alter Rebbe explained to him, he wrote back to him, that not by this path will the light of God dwell within you by desiring the life of the flesh, by desiring children, and by desiring sustenance. Now this is one of the most deepest, profoundest concepts and most of the Hagdama that we gave in the beginning to understand the depth of this pedic is to understand this line. Because this guy didn't ask the Alter Rebbe anything about Yishkun Eir Hashem. He never asked the Alter Rebbe about the light of God dwelling within him. He told the Alter Rebbe, he was complaining to the Alter Rebbe about the terrible, horrifying circumstances that he has, the pain. And on some level, we could all relate to that because we all go through loss, we all go through pain. Whether it's the pain of addiction, the pain of sorrow, the pain of... Of, of, of not having clarity. We go through a pain in life. And he writes to the Alter Rebbe, I went through all this pain, I'm suffering, what should I do? And the Alter Rebbe writes back to him, this is not the way within the light will dwell within you by desiring the life of the flesh, and by desiring children, and by desiring to have a good wealthy life. And we have to understand the profundity, we have to understand the profound concept what he was answering him over here. And in a nutshell, before we go deeper into it, Every person that experiences loss, every person that experiences some form of pain, could either turn it into a tremendous drama, it could either become a tremendous type of suffering and complaining and bitterment and resentment. And he creates a story in his mind of tremendous pain. And if a person, God forbid, experiences loss, nobody should ever have to go through loss, loss of a loved one or pain. They could hold on to that pain and never let it go and talk about it. One day, a second day, a third day, and just hold on to it and see life through those glasses every moment. Or there's an enlightened state of loss. There's a person that could go through loss with an entirely different way. Where that person becomes wiser, becomes more loving and more compassionate. Because the shell of the ego, the shell of materiality, the shell of the comfort, the tremendous security that a person has in this world, the illusion of security, the illusion that he's going to live forever, the illusion that he has unlimited amount of days to be on this world, the illusion of selfishness, the illusion of what he could get from this world. Is stripped away from him. So he's forced to confront, to wake up, to see what could he give rather than what could he get. The life of flesh could go two ways. My heart wants or my heart gives. These are two different things. My heart who wants never gets content. Can you see this with your eye? It never gets content. There's two ways. It gets upset, either by getting what it wants, or by not getting what it wants. But a heart that gives compassion, love, a heart that's wise, is a heart that's completely fulfilled. 
So a person who experiences loss on some level can create a story out of it, can make an ego out of it, can live with that loss. Or a person who experiences pain and loss, some form of wakefulness, could make him highly awake, highly vibrant, highly in tuned with the deepest core of his heart. And then he's more giving, more compassionate, more loving. And this is what the Alter Rebbe is going into deep over here. <clears throat> you know, a couple of years back, my son was born. It was in the hospital, in Columbia Hospital, for a couple of months, every single day. With six kids at home. My wife was in the hospital every single day. And I developed a friendship with a whole bunch of people, around 10 guys, that they all had kids in the hospital. Columbia Hospital, that all kids were going through, they all experienced some tremendous pain. But the most amazing thing that I discovered was that from this group of guys, maybe seven to ten guys, there was zero resentment. There was people that were completely happy. They were fully alive. They were fully loving. Because the loss that they experienced, the pain that they experienced, woke them up to appreciate what they have in a most profound way. And whenever we sat together, there was no complaining. We never even talked about our situation. Everyone was just trying to help everybody. And at this concept of what Alter Rebbe is going to say over here, Laskil Chabina came fully to light, which was part of the gift of what we went through. To be able to live in the present moment, to be able to appreciate what we have. Because of, in the face of what's about to be taken away from you, you could wake up or you could fall deeper asleep. And essentially, my father told me the same thing when I was a little boy. My father told me that he chose Nusachari as his siddur to daven when he was 10 years old. And he chose the Lubavitcher Rebbe to be his Rebbe when he was 10 years old. And he chose the life that he was going to live when he was 10 years old. And I couldn't understand what my father was talking about because when I was 10 years old, I was interested in matchbox cars. And then my father explained to me that his father passed away when he was 10. So he was forced to become mature. But I cannot begin to describe to you what type of father I had as a kid. Even in my deepest core, I can never be what my father was to me. My father, was my, my father is and was, as a kid, my best friend. He gave me everything. Because he was to me the father that he never had. In the face of his loss... He became mature. And this is what he showed me. This is what he taught me. He showed it to me by experience. In the face of what he didn't have, which nobody should ever have to experience that. But in the face of that loss was a tremendous wiseness, loving compassion that started at the age of 10 years old with the deep desire to be what he never got, to be able to give. And he gave that to me. I was his firstborn and he gave that to me. And I look at my kids and at some level, I can't give the same thing. And we have to all meditate on this. Because once we meditate on it, we could start to tap into it. Even though it's not the exact same thing, we could start to tap into the essence of what he's going to explain in this parak, Which is, La'askil Chabina, which is the enlightenment of understanding. The enlightenment of understanding is, that loss and pain and suffering could be two different things. To one person, 
It could completely riddle your life with pain and suffering and could trap you in the storytelling of how much you lost and you could hold on to that. Or it could wake you up. It could, it could split the shell of your ego and allow your soul to penetrate through. Allow your soul to shine through so you're more compassionate, you're more wise, you're more caring. What you do with the pain is entirely up to you. If you're an enlightened person, it will change your life. It will be a trampoline, it will be a portal for you to discover your soul, to discover the Eibishter, to have more amuna, to have more betachen, to stop relying on your petty mind that thinks that's going to control your whole entire life. But if you're deeply rooted in your ego, if you're deeply rooted in your mind, deeply rooted in your heart, then you will create a tremendous story out of it and you will live with that pain every single day. And that is the essence of what he's about to explain to us in this parak. The person wrote to the Alter Rebbe asking him, telling him about the suffering that he's going through. And the Alter Rebbe begins by telling him the enlightenment of all understanding. To be an enlightened being is the purpose in this world. The purpose in this world is not to crave materiality. Not to crave sustenance. And he starts out by this letter by telling him, Ki lo this is not by the way which in the light of God, the light of your soul is going to dwell within you. You are not going to become more compassionate and more wise and more understanding if this unrequested gift of wakefulness, you understand? The pain was an unrequested gift, but it could become a portal, become a trampoline for you to open up, to wake up, to change. The light of your soul, the light of God, the connection with you and the Abisha will never come to fruition. By you wanting materiality, by you misunderstanding the purpose of your life. And over here, the Alter Rebbe assumes that the person reading this pedic understands, knows the Yesoid of Tanya. He knows the purpose of this world. You see, most people go through the whole entire life, they have no idea what the purpose of this world is. And we're talking the last couple of weeks, purpose, purpose, purpose. But the Alter Rebbe assumes that the person reading this pedic knows that the purpose of this world is to make a dwelling place for God. The purpose in this world is to make a dwelling place for God in this world. That is the whole entire reason why you were brought into this world. When it says, when I make you promise, when you're in your mother's stomach, when you're learning the old Torah, that you're going to be a tzaddik and not a rasha, you're going to be an enlightened person. And you're not going to be a wicked person. It means that I'm going to live with my purpose to sanctify this world, to sanctify my body, to make my body a temple for God, to make this whole entire world a better place, to be able to meet God in this world, to be able to have emunah, to be able to live with God. Not for one moment to hear a story and then to say, this is God. And then to forget about it the rest of your life. The whole entire point is to surrender your body to God. And over here we see a fascinating thing. In chapter 36 in Tanya, which is the nucleus of the purpose of, Tanya, of the world, the Alter Rebbe says, that something on Matan Torah and Shavuos, which is the Yom Tov we're about to celebrate, 
something far greater than Kriyas Yamsuf happened. And as we discussed this the last few days, Kriyas Yamsuf was the vision of heaven, the vision of delight, the vision of everything infinite, the magical, everything magical you could possibly imagine. The essence of every type of future you could imagine. We say, Oilam Haba, the future world. Something better that's going to come. You want to know where that comes from? You want to know why we suffer with living about some better future? One day in the future, I'm going to be better. One day in the future, I'm going to be a tzaddik. One day in the future, I'm going to have money. One day in the future, you want to know why we're riddled with future our whole entire life? Because of the moment of Kriyas Yamsuf. Because of Kriyas Yamsuf, we got a glimmer of the real future, of the real heaven, of the real rich, the wealth of spirituality. And that, when it falls into this world, becomes corrupted with addiction, with highs. Why? Because any addiction that you ever had, any pleasure that you ever had, that moment of pleasure was a spiritual thing. You touched a drop of heaven. You touched a tiny little glimmer of what you saw in Kriyas Yamsuf, which is heaven. And that's why we said all the pleasures of this world, of 90 years, if you take every pleasure, it doesn't even come to one minute, one moment of the pleasure of the heaven, of the pleasure that a person will get in heaven. It's something we can't even imagine. So the moment you became enlightened in your mind, or the moment that you experienced any type of pleasure, pleasure from music, pleasure from seeing the most beautiful sceneries in the world, pleasure from eating, any pleasure you would imagine, all of those moments together pale in comparison to the kingdom of heaven. It pales in comparison to the future, to the, to the heavens. It pales in comparison. But all of that was revealed in Kriyas Yamsuf. Oilam Haba, the future, what a person gets after 120, the, the pleasure that they get from just witnessing that. And that's all future. That's why they said, Oz Yashir, Oz. Then we will sing. Because they saw the kingdom of heaven. And they witnessed it on this world. And then it was taken away from them. But then they came to Mount Torah and they got something far greater. Not only did the kingdom of heaven come down on this world. Over the Enkidus Yamsuf, they saw the future. But then they saw that the future is now. And everything you think of about the future is right this moment. For one moment in time, Matan Torah was the purpose of their life. Do you know what happened Matan Torah? God came down into this world with the kingdom of heaven. And the whole entire world screamed out, I am God. There was nothing else but God. Now why do we hazard this again? Because this is so important to understand, so important to see what happened. The whole entire world, you saw the pulsing, vibrating thoroughness, fullness of life, of the essence of my soul. Where is the soul of God? Where is the soul of all the souls? Where is the, the, the being, the super being? The one who created everything. The one who's behind the mask, even in the kingdom of heaven. Where is that revealed? Right over here. And for one moment, every soul expired. When, that, when Hashem said, the first of the Aseris Adibris, when Hashem said that, everybody expired. Everything expired. They couldn't even, nobody was able to handle that. But for one moment in time, before they expired, they witnessed what this means. That every single thing that you see, every wall, every mineral object, every vegetable, every animal, Every single thing in this world is filled with the presence of God. And even the kingdom of heaven pales in comparison to that. So in this world, we could hold on to God. In this world, we could see the Ebershter. 
But that experience for one moment was too great. And the Jews were shown that if they had that experience for more than a second, they would expire. But they got the truth of all humanity in one moment. They got the truth of all humanity, which is that the, the Yidin and the Abishar are one. And then Moshe Rabbeinu told them, he's going to go up for 40, 40 days and he's going to bring them down the Luchos. He's going to bring them down the Luchos. The Luchos is the Torah. The Luchos is, there's going to be some spiritual Luchos, diamond rocks that are going to come down with the tremendous revelation that are going to give us our guide for life. How we could live with that. And there was a miscommunication, a misunderstanding. And we're going to go deeper into it tomorrow, but just the beginning to understand this. The, they saw the depth of the animal. They saw the depth of the materiality of this world. They saw that this, the materiality could hold God. So what did they do? They celebrated this. They made an ego. They celebrated the materiality. They saw that Hashem wanted to get married to the Jewish people. So they misunderstood the essence of materiality. They celebrated materiality. Because Hashem was showing them that I could only dwell in this world. I could only dwell in you. I could only dwell in your ego. I could only dwell in your body. I could only dwell in this world. This world is the body for where I could dwell. I make my stand over here, the Abishah said. I want to be revealed over here. I want to be married to you, to the Yidin. So the Yidin, out of a tremendous misunderstanding, because they didn't realize that the guy to make that happen comes from Hashem. From the Chassim. From that tremendous misunderstanding, they created an ego. And we can understand what that means as we go deeper into it, but let's give a metaphor. A husband and wife, they go out and they meet each other, they just fall in love and they decide they want to marry each other. And they get ready for the wedding. Do you know what happens at that wedding? The kala, the bride puts on the most beautiful kala gown. And the chasen puts on the most beautiful clothing. And everyone comes to have this tremendous joy. But did anybody ever ask themselves the question, if the purpose of this marriage is to be married, why doesn't the kala wear the wedding gown her whole entire life? And why does the chasen not wear his uniform his whole entire life? Why after the wedding is it all over? In order to understand this, we need to go to the root of most dysfunction in marriage. Why already in the Sheva Brachas do most people end up in a tremendous fight or in the first year is there tremendous miscommunication? If you were so happy in the wedding, if you found, if you found the love of your life, if this is the purpose of my life, why don't I live with that uniform every single day of my life? And why, how could there be so much, such profound misunderstanding? between two human beings who are soulmates. And the answer is because there's a tremendous miscommunication, there's a tremendous misunderstanding. The reason why your kala, your bride, wears a wedding uniform, and the reason why you wear your uniform, is to celebrate, to understand what means marriage, what's the blueprint of marriage. At the moment of your wedding, you're seeing your blueprint of marriage. A husband has to realize that his whole entire wife is his life, but not what she could give him. It's what he could give her. He sees her dressed that way so he could realize that she's his queen. And he could not ask himself how he could fill his heart, what he could get from her. 
But it's what he could give her. And she has to do the exact same thing. If she thinks she's getting a person who's going to give her, like it says in the Ksuba, materiality and so on and so forth, and what she could get, that is the root of all suffering. The root of unconsciousness is to get into a marriage and then see, I'm not anymore wearing my bride. I'm not even anymore wearing my gown. But I need to be made a queen. You'll never be made a queen. If you make him a king, you will become a queen. If he makes you the queen, he will become a king. So the root of marriage is, the core of marriage is, what could I give, not what could I get? And at Matan Torah, that was the tremendous misunderstanding. Because they, the Jewish people saw the beauty of the body, the beauty of what we contribute to this marriage, that we were chosen by God. We misunderstood by what we could get, rather than what we could give. And in order to figure out what we could give, we have to surrender ourselves. We have to give everything that we have to the Abishter. And the greatest gift of getting is by giving. Which is the essence of chasana. So the reason they would, you don't wear your gown every single day of your life is because you have to make the marriage real now. You have to live with the ksuba. You have to live with your duty. You have to live with your enlightenment. And you have to make that real in your life. But if you're going to be living in a life where you're asking what you could get, chayim besarim, as we're going to get deeper into tomorrow, if you're going to live with a life, then every single thing is going to be pain and dissatisfaction. But if you're going to realize both in your own marriage, that the goal of marriage is to split the sea, to split the sea, to go deeper than your own heart, what you could get, but to ask yourself every day, what can I give my spouse? If I saw my spouse by the wedding, and I see them that way, and I live with that blueprint, then I'm going to ask myself what I could give. Never even ask what I could get. Because realize the gift of giving is the greatest gift of getting. And ultimately speaking, that is to understand what is the eagle. What is the root of the ego, the root of all suffering, the root of all pain. And what is the way to transcend that? What is the way to have real healing, real purposeful life, real meaningful life, real happiness, real joy, real compassion? which we'll go into it deeper tomorrow, Matishem.